This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of June 20th, 2022, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. You'll recall in previous episodes that we've discussed the challenges plaguing downtown city market, which suffered through the double whammy of the pandemic and a long-term construction project on Market Street. We also have discussed the proliferation of apartment projects downtown and the shifts that we're seeing away from its identity as primarily a place where people work to multi-use spaces. We've also talked about some of the seismic changes in the eastern half of the mile square as community justice functions moved to the Twin Air neighborhood, as well as the city's interest in finding the best uses for the properties that it controls in the area. Today, we have a story that hits on all of these and more. Last week, the Hogshead administration announced that it had chosen a proposal from two Indianapolis-based developers to significantly recast the entire block that contains the city market. Now, if you haven't heard about this already, don't worry. One of the central purposes of this plan is to preserve and strengthen the city market. But there will be a lot going on around the historic marketplace estimated for the time being to cost about $175 million. The proposal from Gershman Partners and CityMark included the following. A $90 million redevelopment of the Gold Building, which is the ninth largest office complex downtown, into an apartment tower with about 350 units and an entirely new facade with a darker, more neutral color. Next up, Construction of a $40 million, 11-story apartment building with 60 units, plus office and retail space, on the site where the market's east wing currently sits. Next, $30 million in ongoing improvements to the 11-story office building at 251 East Ohio, and $12 million in improvements to the parking garage that's between 251 East Ohio and the Gold Building. These are all on the northern half of the block. And just FYI, Gershman and CityMark already own that northern half of the block, and the city owns the southern half of the block where the market and its plazas sit. There also is a $4 million plan for the alleyways that run between the buildings on the block. Now, you may hear this project referred to as City Market East since that was the wording in the city's initial request for proposals from developers. It's a lot to get our arms around, and I haven't even mentioned the affordable housing component and the support the city is willing to provide in financing the project through tax dollars that it generates. For this week's edition of the podcast, I have invited Scarlett Andrews, director of the Indianapolis Department of Metropolitan Development, and Eric Gershman, principal at Gershman Partners, to discuss the project and the selection process in more detail. Here's our conversation. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Scarlett Andrews, Director of the Indianapolis Department of Metropolitan Development. Scarlett, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Eric Gershman, Principal at Gershman Partners. Eric, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Scarlett, can you set the stage for us? What are the city's concerns about the city market block in that immediate area? There's been so much going on there and so much really still to be done. Um, It seems like a really big puzzle. 
it is a puzzle. And in the last couple of years, we've been trying to solve a few things. And uh, part of that is just basic infrastructure and access to the building. Um, and then making sure we're shoring up the historic character of the building. Uh, but also, it's it's been a little tough for business there. Uh, and that's for a variety of reasons. And part of it is pandemic. Part of it is actual access to the building and the way it's laid out. And so we were trying to understand what the market needed from an operational perspective. Uh, but we what we also discovered in the process was that we need more customer base and that we have a clear opportunity to create more density on the block and more mixed use that would kind of drive that activity and, and drive some uh, real success for the market in the future. And when you say mixed use, just for the, the folks who aren't in real estate, what, what would that mean? Yeah, so introducing housing onto the block for one, uh, but also other types of retail office that would create the kind of activity to have more foot traffic. Yeah, and they're also, in general, tell me if I'm wrong, has been I think a recognition that more apartments or more multifamily uh, would, would be a good thing downtown and that also the, the, I think the office market is, is drying up a little bit because of the changes in the way that we work. I mean, did that factor into? Yeah, I mean, it's even more complex than that, I think. So uh, we do have about a 97% occupancy rate of housing units of all types uh, downtown right now. And so that's incredibly high and, and, and kind of mirrors what's happening all over the country in downtowns and, and big cities is that you have kind of a demand that and a supply that's not matching up right now. So thinking about creating more opportunities for people to live downtown means bringing more apartment units for one um, and housing of all types into our downtown. And so that is a clear opportunity and a huge part of the mayor's downtown resiliency strategy is bringing more housing to downtown. The other piece of that you mentioned is the office, and, and that's what I think is, is even more complex because it's not as if office is dead. We actually think office has a real future in Indianapolis and in all cities, but it's a different type of office experience because we know that work is going to be hybrid. It was in some places already hybrid before the pandemic, and I think the pandemic revealed that we really can do hybrid work. But when you do come in the office, those two, three days a week, or when you come in uh, from other places all together, what type of experience do you want to have? And, and what we're seeing more and more is that you want an experience where it's not just an office building where you come in and you park and you go up to your office and you don't talk to anybody all day. Um, it's really a collaborative experience and, and introducing things like restaurants and entertainment and recreation into the same space as, as your office. Now, do I understand this right? The city of Indianapolis owns the southern half of that city market block which is like the main uh, city market house where all the vendors are, city market, the two wings to the east and west and those adjacent plazas. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yes, and, and the easy way we, de we describe it is the west plaza and the east plaza and the market house. Um, because in the future, I think those, those wing buildings are probably not as important uh, and they're mostly empty at this point, in fact. Um, and so when we contemplated the east plaza plan and what we can talk about as the comprehensive uh, development of the block, uh, it was really with that in mind is that the, that building on the east plaza would not no longer be there in the future. So explain to us that what the city was trying to accomplish with the request for proposals process. And maybe you should explain at the beginning, what is a request for proposals process? Yeah, so uh, the Department of Metropolitan Development as the entity that does community and economic development as well as planning and historic preservation for the city of Indianapolis, uh, we operate under state law to do things like dispose of properties, acquire properties, go through real estate processes where we partner with private developers. And this was one where we decided to go through a process we, we, 
where we sought proposals from development teams uh, that would address what we thought were our, our goals, concerns, opportunities, challenges at the city market site. And specifically, we were looking at that east side of the city market, that east plaza site, because we knew that structurally that site could handle new construction uh, and, and more than just the wing building that exists now. And we thought it was a clear opportunity to int introduce, as I said, some of those other uses in real estate, the housing, the commercial, um, retail that would also drive more traffic to the market. And so that is what we sought. We also uh, were thinking about loading and operations for the market and how we could better accommodate that with a new development. Um, we also thought about the bike hub. So the bike hub is still at the East Plaza and the East Wing. And so how do we think about that, the, the importance of the bike hub and how it is adjacent to the Indianapolis Cultural Trail. And so we wanted to keep that presence there. Uh, we were thinking about the alley, Wabash Alley, uh, which right now is, is kind of, it, people do walk behind there all the time. It is kind of a pedestrian space, but uh, it's not really a pedestrian space that you want to be in with lighting, with um, shops or restaurants or anything kind of facing it. And so how do we better activate that as a pedestrian and bike uh, corridor and then finally thinking about public the public spaces that surround the city market and how those can be factored into the success of the entire block in the future as well right. so you've got some some fairly like general parameters and so you set it loose you tell developers come up with something mm -hmm. what do you got give us your best ideas so Gershman Partners <laughs> City Market obviously had a vested interest in how uh, this was all gonna play out in 2019 they bought the gold building at 151 North Delaware, the office building at 251 East Ohio, and the parking garage that's between them. And so these three buildings comprise the north half of the city market block. And what was the partnership's plan at the beginning for these three structures? Yeah, sure. Um, so Gershon Partners, our office is on Mass Ave. We moved down here uh, six or seven years ago, and we've heavily invested along Mass Ave on the northeast quadrant of the city. Um, the 300 block, the 400 block, and really looking at developments along the cultural trail. So this was kind of a natural progression of where we wanted to invest and move um, in Indianapolis. This was a little bit before the, the full um, prioritization of Market East, but we had a feeling that was coming along in the future. There was going to be heavy investment in the corridor. And at the beginning, we were going to convert the gold building into a Class A office building and clean up the parking garage, which we've done mostly, and then also improve the 251 red brick building. Mm. And when you say uh, the gold building into a Class A office building, just for folks who don't understand real estate, that means like kind of like the highest level yeah, of, class of quality. Yeah, Class A, this, this would have been the most premier office in Indianapolis. Um, the structure would have remained, but everything else would have been new. All new mechanicals, all new glass, um, all new elevators. So basically a new build building Class A, most amenitized, and then amenitized by the city market. This is pre-COVID, but you know, it was full, did have good vendors, a really active place for lunch. So we use that kind of as our, our base amenity for the office building. So part of the plan was to strip the gold tinted glass from the gold building. I'm I'm only gonna initiate this conversation from personal interest. I love the gold building. I have a personal connection to the gold building. I worked there for a while. Why was it necessary <laughs> to take the gold glass off the gold building? Is, yeah. I mean, is it practical or aesthetic? Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question. I actually kind of like it myself. 
um, it comes with a lot of challenges. The glare and the silent on the blocks around it, I think it looks a little kind of old and dingy and there's really no way to clean it up. Secondly, uh, those gold panels, they crack and they break. We actually own 14 of them that are in the basement that go up when one breaks, but they are a different color. So, you know, trying to keep that building alive on top of the mechanical systems being basically shot. Um, so to bring the attracted tenants we want, and also now for the residential, a brand new Class A, clear glass made the most sense. Plus, there's all kinds of energy efficiencies that, you know, we could go into also. So in December of 2020, uh, IBJ reported that Gershman and CityMark plan to spend $55 million to upgrade the three structures, which would include the replating the exterior of the gold building, uh, revamping the office space at, at 251 North Ohio. So what happened with that project? Some of that work already has been completed? Some of the work's been completed in the 251 building. Um, for those that haven't been in it, the lobby's been uh, completely upgraded, refinished, uh, more co-working space, new furniture, better lighting um, for a better experience at the, at the lobby level. Uh, the parking garage has gone through renovation as well, upgraded lighting, new elevators, um, some additional structure and stuff, and there's still more improvements to be done there. Um, the gold building, the, uh, the proposal was to empty it out and then bring in all new tenants. And it's a 400,000 square foot, 20 story structure. It's yeah, I think at one point it was like the eighth largest, I think, office building in the, that, that in the city. Be, yeah, yeah it's my, just my memory. Um, so what was attractive then about the city coming to developers and saying, let's imagine what can be done here under these parameters? What was attracted to us was there was going to be a renewed prioritization and investment in the area. That's first. Um, we were natural, I think, to respond to an RFP because we also were using the city market as an amenity. We have a vested interest in working with them and making it the best it can be. And we were doing that prior to the RFP. We would have done it post RFP. And for sure now we're going to be, you know, intimately involved. Mm -hmm. And the idea of turning the uh, the gold building from an office building into uh, apartments. How did that you explain that uh, that evolution of thought there? Yeah, the evolution there, um, I wouldn't blame it all on the pandemic, but as Scarlett mentioned kind of at the beginning, we're a big believer in office with a purpose, which is why, I mean, I haven't compared ourselves to other ones in the market, but our occupancy in office is, is high where we are. And that's because Mass Ave's there. You can go have a drink, you can have coffee, you can have lunch. And it was just becoming a little bit more apparent to us, even pre-RFP, that this wasn't a lot of office space. And even though we were going to make it a great building, that it's going to make more sense for residential to be there. It's going to be better for the market. It's going to be better for the city. And we also own an office building, uh, the 251, which had been upgraded itself. Okay. And we're going to go through the particulars of, of the project uh, in a second here. But real quick, uh, since we've already talked about it in the introduction, Scarlett, what did the city see as the compelling case for going with the Gershman and, and CityMark proposal? Well, I think as Eric said, we knew that Gershman Partners and CityMark already had a commitment to the city market, for one, and having those relationships and that commitment to seeing the success of the market, which was the center part of our RFP, or our request for proposals process too, was how do we think about the success of this historic landmark and this anchor for the Market East District and for downtown in the future. And so their commitment to that and the relationships they had there, and, and you know, we can talk about the city market strategic plan if we'd like, but the idea is, is really that this is going to take a full partnership between the city, city market, um, and the development team. And so that was a big piece of it. I think 
paired with that opportunity to see a comprehensive development strategy for the entire block, as opposed to, I think, you know, when I was first thinking about this uh, request for proposals, I was thinking a little small. I was thinking, okay, what can we do with just the City Market East Plaza? Can Can we break it down into the simplest of pieces? But what I was pleased to see with all of the proposals, but I think most poignantly with the uh, selected proposal with Gershwin Partners and CityMark, was this interest in thinking about how the city market block interacts with kind of adjacent properties and, and the rest of downtown. And I think that was strongest absolutely with the Gershwin Partners and City Mart proposal because we were able to think about how does the gold building, I think we, we think we need a new name for the gold yeah, building. Yeah, I was going to ask future. you, what do we call uh, the building now? Do you know? <laughs> it's, it's, actually, it's, it's actual name, it's, it's given name, is Market Square Center. Yeah. Yes. So right. maybe it goes back to that? It could. Okay, or maybe something we'll fancier. Yeah. yeah, okay. We'll see. <laughs> so we don't know. But no, Market Square know. Center, uh, yeah. that building, as well as the other buildings on the site, and having the parking there that could activate the entire site without building more parking was really attractive. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ Podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm. With more than 625 attorneys across 11 offices, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ Podcast and my conversation with Scarlett Andrews and Eric Gershman about City Market East. Could you quickly just describe the process for deciding like who actually made the decision to yeah, go with us? absolutely. So uh, our process, again, we're governed by state statute, and so our process essentially is that we have a review committee. Uh, the review committee was established by uh, DMD's staff as well as representatives from the city market board and leadership um, and and representatives from Developendy. Uh, and so we were really thinking about how can we bring together experts and interested parties on a review committee. We did presentations from each uh, proposal, each proposer group and, um, and interview questions and followed up with them about additional questions and scored those as well and and finally made a recommendation to the mayor. Is it fair to say that uh, Gershwin and CityMark had a built-in competitive advantage in this competitive process because obviously they control the other half of the block? Well, all three of our proposers did have a vested interest in downtown and had, if not immediately adjacent, properties downtown that they had activated, um, at least nearby. And so I I think it's fair to say that while we were seeking developers from anywhere, from locally to nationally, um, it's fair to say that this this request for proposals was most attractive to those developers that may have already had a vested interest in downtown. And so that's how I, I would think about it. I think it would not have been enough to have adjacent properties under control. You had to also have that commitment to the city market and seeing its success and the relationships that you're committed to at the city market board and leadership. Gotcha. So it would have been possible for somebody who didn't control the northern half of the block to come up with a compelling proposal. 
It's just that these guys had the best one. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say it, it was a tough process to decide. Okay. So let's look closer uh, at the components of the project. So first part, we've talked about quite a bit already, $90 million redevelopment of the 47-year-old Market Square Center uh, into a 350-unit apartment tower. Is that right? Correct. New facade uh, of consists of modern glass. Do you have a sense of what the price points will be for those rents? Uh, we don't at this point because we're not kind of done with the complete project, but they'll be competitive for um, market rate in downtown Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. But so we consider these to be market rate units, Correct. the 350? Yes. Okay. It, it, again, it seems like a lot. You know, I've been covering the downtown stuff in this most recent sit with IBJ for probably 13 years. And over that 13 years, as you know, it's just been hundreds and hundreds of apartment units um, collecting, especially kind of on that side of Meridian Street. And it's just always amazing to me when somebody uh, announces a new project, but I think as you said before, the demand seems to be there, that you're 97% occupied for downtown units for apartments. Yeah, and I think uh, back in 2017, there were a little over 8,000 units in, in downtown, and now there are a little over 11,000. So we had a, a pretty good increase over the last five years or so in, in apartment growth downtown, but we're still seeing that demand. And it's comparable to, comparable to our peer cities as well. They're seeing a high demand for downtown living. Um, and I some of that could be pandemic related and different lifestyles that people want. Uh, but I think, I think it goes beyond that. And I think it was already starting to happen pre-pandemic and in terms of thinking about supply. So it absolutely is something that not just on this site, but really throughout downtown, uh, the Department of Metropolitan Development and, and through the mayor's strategy, we've been thinking about and, and want to encourage. And I would also say we're trying to think about downtown differently and not just this site or Market East, but we've often thought about downtown as where you work. Um, where not, not just Indianapolis, but central Indiana, where we work. Uh, we've also thought about it as a place to visit uh, for large events and large conventions, sporting events, et cetera. But we've not really spent a lot of time thinking about what it means to live downtown and have downtown as your neighborhood. And so what makes downtown a good neighborhood, you know, involves things like the city market and places to go and public spaces and green spaces and good infrastructure that you can walk around. Uh, so, so those are the things that we also wanted to keep at the forefront as part of this process and this proposal. So next up, we have $30 million for the ongoing improvements to the 11 story 251 East Ohio Street. And I think you've already explained what that work entails. How far along are you guys already on that work inside the building? Um, we're about halfway through, I would say. The, um, the touch points of the lobby, the lighting, the amenity space, and the co-working space is complete. Really what's left to do is uh, leasing some, right now the top three floors are available for lease and we're actually having a lot of showings of people interested in it's good, great views from there. You can see Whole Foods, City Market. Um, so the rest of the money will come in as tenants move into the building. That'll be uh, kind of the biggest part. And then there's also an exterior renovation that'll happen of a branding and a bringing it more can, into the block. So it's not such an outlier from a more of a suburban red brick building. We want to make it have a more urban feel. Gotcha. So when we say it's a $30 million project, how much of that money already has been put into the building? I think the number seven or 8 million bucks. Oh, okay. so, so far. There's quite a bit more left. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's quite a bit gotcha. more left to go. Okay. Uh, there's construction of the $40 million 11 story apartment tower on the site of the city markets east wing 
which will be demolished. So that will be built on city-owned land. Yeah. Um, so who, in the end, will own the land and who will own the building? Yeah, so the city will remain the owner of the land. Uh, and then, of course, the Gershwin City Mart team, the development team, will own the improvements is the formal term for the building. <laughs> yes. So what is the East Wing currently being used for? Yeah, so the East Wing right now is underutilized. So the, the building itself is... Uh, used to ho be the home of a YMCA branch, as well as the Bike Hub and the BGI Indy, which is a bicycle garage Indy uh, retail establishment. And currently it is not uh, the home of the YMCA and and you know they had to assess their own operations in, during COVID and post COVID. Uh, and so it does still uh, host the Bike Hub and the BGI Indy. And so that's why we wanted to incorporate the opportunity to keep bicycling and the bike hub as a, a central piece of the East Plaza in the future. Okay. Uh, but most of the building is empty uh, and underutilized. And then the plaza itself is also somewhat underutilized, but at different times it's tried, we've tried to activate that as, as some green space slash recreational space. Uh, we did have quite a few people playing bocce ball bocce. out there yesterday. Um, so it's not as if no one uses it, but I think it can be much better activated in the future. And I think you'll see that the pro proposal as well in involves uh, these glass enclosures that, that kind of expand, that provide this nice visual uh, kind of interest into the market, but also expand the opportunity for, for the market as well. Um, and, and some kind of curated retail that could also work well with the market. And the building would have uh, some office and you say in retail space, so that BGI space could be part of that retail space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, how would the apartment units uh, in this building be different from the ones in the gold building? Yeah, I can take that. Um, it'll be a slightly different, obviously, configuration and style and branding of what it is. It's still going to be flexible on the floor plates if there's one bedroom, studios, two bedrooms, and even a few three bedrooms. Uh, really, our intent with the proposal on the east was to be very respectful of city market. Um, we set the building back. There's a bunch of room in the front of it for city market to expand their operations. Um, we have a retail background by nature, so we take that very seriously on trying to curate the right retail in the right spot um, to be successful and that we spent a lot of time on the building to make it approachable from a pedestrian experience for the market. And then, you know, it's a 11-story it's structure, but it's still going to feel low on the front end when it's next to the market. And the bike hub will absolutely be part of the, part of the project. Well, and I, I would just add to that, I think, you know, in, in thinking earlier about your question about you know, why this proposal or, you know, why this team and, and I think their experience with retail and their thoughtfulness about what type of retail that they've put in their other developments uh, adds to our confidence in terms of their expertise and ability to not compete with the market, but really think about an entire retail environment that's going to be successful. Yeah. I'm, I'm fuzzy on this and forgive me. Now, there's some component of the apartments uh, that will be considered affordable. What does that mean, and, and, and where will we see those units? Yeah, so we're still working on the details of that, but our uh, tax increment financing policy, which is essentially an incentives program uh, that the city uses to partner with private developers on economic development projects, uh, we expect that that will be part of the entire financing package of this project. And so we recently instituted some requirements for those projects that includes affordable housing. And specifically, we're looking for 10% of units at 
30% AMI or 5% of units at 30% area median income is AMI. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Yeah. So a thinking about affordability levels. The median income yes. of that area. Yes, okay. of our MS, our right. metropolitan area. Right. So those units so. would be would be offered at those rents for people who meet those requirements. Right. So we're still working through the exact details, but we would expect somewhere in the realm of twenty to forty units of the total to be affordable. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the parking garage, twelve million dollars in improvements to the parking garage. Uh, what would be entailed in that work, and has most of that already been done? Yeah, about half of it's been done. Um, when we bought the when we bought the block three years ago, it was in uh, it had been neglected for a while by an out of state owner. So we came in to do uh, shore up the structuring of it, the lighting, the safety, and the new elevators. The rest of it is really at this point additional upgrades, but also a lot of cosmetic. Uh, as Scarlett said, we're going to activate that alley. It's going to be people walking, biking, and no one really wants to walk by a parking garage. So it's going to be screened, or we're going to work with the the art council or or local artists and try to come up with something interesting to kind of make it blend into the block. Okay. And the $4 million uh, in improvements to the alleyways. Yeah, the alleyway is really one of my favorite parts about this block. Um, we were in, we had the discussions really kind of before the RFP, but now this really kind of cements that we can really do something special in there. Um, if you've traveled to Denver or Detroit, they've mm -hmm. got, those are the kind of the pure alleys that people get excited about, but there's pop-up retail, there's uh, local artists, there's you know, gathering space. So these are really good activations. I know the city's looking at other alleys too, which is encouraging because um, these are interesting parts of the city for sure. Now, what changes could we expect to see within the city market? Uh, the portion that you know, we all know with the food and the merchandise. Yeah, I can speak to that. So last year we announced a commitment to invest in some basic mechanical electrical plumbing improvements to the market. And we are starting to work with an owner's rep from Veritas uh, on that work. But that will be completely integrated with the process of the rest of the construction on the block. And so we'll start having those kind of regular touch points to make sure that we're thinking about, as I said, kind of loading and operations of the city market vendors at the same time as thinking about this comprehensive development. And so inside the market, we know there's some basic needs. Uh, we did an assessment last year and we, we understand those pretty well. But what we don't understand really well is what type of layout and experience within the market um, is gonna make it most successful in the future. And so the city market board and leadership last year announced an effort to fundraise and uh, launch a strategic planning or a strategic visioning process for the market itself that would evaluate the needs of tenants, the right kind of tenant mix in the future that's gonna be successful, the layout, the customer experience, everything from how you pay to what you see when you walk around and where you sit, um, and also thinking about that indoor-outdoor experience that, that often is attractive when you're a customer. And I think this proposal also thinks about that on the East Plaza, but then there's also the opportunity of the West Plaza to incorporate some of those uses as well. So we're thinking about all of those things, but it's gotta be a planning process that takes place with all of the development in mind. Gotcha. So would this uh, only involve the city? So city market encouragement would not be involved in Anything oh no, everybody the... would be involved in that. So okay. so those meetings and that engagement is already occurring. Gershman Partners and City Mark had already engaged with the city market and their consultant on the city on the strategic planning process just as a stakeholder before this RFP process. And um, and the city, you know, is also involved. And so the city 
market leadership and board are the ones driving this process, uh, but really all of us have to be partners in that. Okay. Well, I, I guess from a financial standpoint, would the ownership of the city market change? That's not planned at this time. I think the strategic visioning process should be the guide as to how the market should be operated in the future to be most successful. Right. But no plans for the, for the city to no longer own the city market. No, no. So the building itself and the, and the plazas, we intend to have long-term ownership of those. Okay. And those improvements that you've discussed, I mean, physical improvements would be financed by the city. The physical improvements, well, so the East Plaza, so the improvements that uh, we've been oh, talking sure. about as part of the, yeah. the development uh, would be financed by the development team with a partnership through the city uh, with tax increment financing. The West Plaza, we're still working out what the improvements will be on that site. Okay. Um, it's my favorite stuff to talk about. It's money. Uh, so $175 million project. Um, but I, th I think you, uh, you told our reporter, Mickey Shuey, that in all likelihood, it could be closer to 20 or 200 million by the time you're done. Uh, is Gershman and City Mark going to pay for this whole thing out of their pocket? They're financing the whole thing. Um, or as I think we've already kind of alluded to, some kind of financial support from the city or support for financing. And this is the stuff I always have trouble explaining, so. <laughs> yeah, I'll just jump yeah. in and quickly say that we expect there will be a partnership uh, with tax increment financing. And again, right. that's tax incentives to support real estate development projects. And this clearly fits into a situation where without that kind of city partnership, the project would not be feasible. You know, this is a difficult site. And so we want to be partners in that effort. And so we would expect to take some kind of financing package with city participation to the city county council and the Metropolitan Development Commission later this year. Right. And the way that this usually works to my memory is, uh, you know, a, a number is, is constructed, say, however many millions of dollars, bonds are issued. In the tax increment financing district, you use the taxes generated by the new development to pay off the bonds. But typically, the city now no longer has exposure. It's the developer who has to back the bonds. Yeah, I mean, one thing that we're excited about with this project and, and another reason why we felt confident in the Gershman Partners and CityMark team is because they came to us with that kind of model where the developer would have skin in the game and would ultimately back that that debt if the tax revenues came up short. Right. Um, and so in that way, it limits the city's exposure and our risk, and it also um, doesn't affect our ability to invest in other projects. And so one of the things that was important to us in, in terms of putting out the city market as one of the first development opportunities in the Market East District, and we can talk about more some of those <laughs> other opportunities if you'd like, but the we know that we have other sites or other projects that could be important for downtown. You think about Circle Center Mall, Old City Hall, um, and, and, and other sites that we think there's probably a city investment in making them happen. And so we wanted to make sure we did this project in a way that you know, we are partners. The city does have an investment in, 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 you know, both kind of qualitatively in thinking about the success of this site, but also um, in, in the tax increment financing side of things. But we also want to be able to do other projects in the future and not hamstring our ability to do right. that. So what we don't know at this point is how much in bonds would be issued to support the project. Not yet, and so that's what the next few months uh, we will be digging into. The city's already brought on a team to help us analyze those numbers, and we'll be working with the Gershwin Partners and City Mark team mm. to get it right. Okay, um, and, and so I'm assuming the city is in support of this idea, certainly. 
in, yeah, in concept. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. We are in support right. of the idea. Yeah. As I said, we had the expectation because of the way the proposal laid it out that we would have financial participation in the project. Right. And uh, I mean, is it uh, seven figures? Is it more than 10 million, less than 50 million? Any idea what the parameters are? It's hard to say at this point, but city CD participation in TIF projects typically falls below 20% of the entire project cost. Oh, okay, so this would be less than 40 million. Okay, but again, not money paid directly by the city, but bonds issued by the city that would be repaid by tax revenue. That's right. Thank you. And this would be a single site tax increment finance district. Um, it wouldn't be part of the larger downtown tax increment finance district. Uh, so, what are the next steps in the process? Should people just assume that hey, you're going to start digging tomorrow, or what needs to happen in order for this to start? Well, I'll, I'll quickly talk about the city side, and I think maybe more interestingly, uh, Eric can talk about the development team side. But on our side, I kind of see our work in a couple of different streams. So we've got the design and working with the city market um, and others on, you know, what does everything look like? Let's get to a final design and a process standpoint. And so we're going to be working on those pieces, which includes our regional center, center hearing examiner, which is essentially what you can build downtown and how it looks. Um, and then there will be the other stream of, as I was just talking about, getting that financing package put together and getting it in front of the Metropolitan Development Commission and the City County Council as the fiscal bodies. And so those are the two things that the city team is going to be working hard on. And then, of course, there's a whole other set of logistics and process that the development team will be working on. Yeah, and from a development standpoint, we'll be working with the city through the, the steps that Scarlett just outlined. But really, this is going to end up being a several year development. It'll also be phased. Um, the gold building is well suited to move quickly. Um, we're vacating the building with intention and really could start construction in the gold building first or second quarter of next year as quickly as that. We're, we're pretty far along with kind of layouts and thoughts and it's freeing up to start development there. So, okay. you know, working with the city, that really could be the phase one and what comes along with phase one is probably still open for discussion if when that alley happens and what happens with the market and the market's got a little bit more of a planning process to go through but um, there's plenty of work to be done and, and hopefully it happens you know more quickly than people think best case scenario when would this all be finished well if you go in the back up the gold building if we start at the beginning of next year it's actually through our construction team we're showing that we can get tenants in there within a year of starting it which is absolutely amazing but that will also be tenants moving in while the building's still under construction I mean, the glass will be there, but, you know, it's a 20-story building. We'll move people in in phases, so there will be people moving in with, with what construction is going on. Hopefully later that year we can get going on the East Plaza, um, and that, in our proposal, is an 18-month build. So really all in all, I think it's probably a four-year process to get fully stabilized and people moving in, you know, every, everything off the site. But the good thing is all the construction is going to happen within the block, and we kind of outlined this in the proposal. The city spent a lot of money and effort on uh, Market Street and mm -hmm. for the uh, for the farmers market, and we really don't plan to disturb any of that. We're a whole block. We've got plenty plenty of room for staging. So hopefully, it's you know while the construction's going on, it's not doesn't feel as construction activity as it <laughs> as it could. We're very excited about that part. <laughs> and, and the gold building construction is all inside. Yeah. You know, other than you know changing the glass out, which will be a relatively quick process as it goes around the building. But then all the construction is inside the building. Okay. Yeah, I will say. I mean, we're very excited about 
just the thoughtfulness that has gone into how the construction process would work and, and kind of minimizing disturbances uh, to the surrounding streets. But I also think just the ability to get started at, you know, well, already be started with 251 East Ohio and get started with the gold building and ultimately the East Plaza in 2023 um, is, is super attractive to us and just having some momentum behind downtown um, and, and really the mayor's vision and seeing um, more things happening on this block. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking all the time to uh, explain this. And I'm sure we're going to revisit this a couple of times uh, over the next few years. So uh, I hope to see you again soon. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks. My thanks again to Scarlett Andrews and Eric Gershman. If you'd like to read more about the Marketies project, including details about the two proposals from Indianapolis-based developers that were not selected, you can check out our coverage at ibj.com. And before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest print edition of IBJ I want to draw to your attention. First up, Indiana tourism officials are betting big on efforts to bring more visitors to the state in part with a public campaign that they hope will spur a significant funding increase from the General Assembly next year. Mickey Shuey outlines the $5.6 million campaign they're calling in Indiana. Also in this week's issue, John Russell reports that Eli Lilly and company is defending itself against a lawsuit charging that it mismanaged its $8.2 billion 401k plan, resulting in excessive fees for employees. And Daniel Bradley outlines Westfield's plans for the $190 million Grand Millennium Center, which will include a library, event center, medical facility, apartments, and a hotel. And again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. I will say it's quite a bit easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on Central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. And here's a new development. We have wrapped all of IBJ's content together with all of the stories, columns, and podcasts from our sister publication, Inside Indiana Business. And now works out to about $3 per week for actionable information about every notable business development across the state. You won't find Indiana's story told with this kind of breadth and depth anywhere else. Just go to ibj.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast, which is edited by Leslie Weidenbenner. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm.